Welcome to Ghostwatch 2017, a Ghostwatch 2016 recap podcast. My name is Coriander Dickinson, and I have with me Adam Wasserman. Hello. And Alexi Peppers. Hi. SSS Gridman is right. continuing to be good and relevant for this podcast because Urison's voice actress is in it. Huh. I, I'm, I've only watched the first two episodes. I'm behind. There's only four out. I have a job and I can't watch anime all day anymore. Weird. Castlevania season two is out yet. I haven't I haven't had time to watch it yet, but hey, anime. <laughs> but you've count? also got a giant horseman on your plate. I do have a giant horseman on my plate and I don't know how to balance <laughs> these two things. Yeah. How are you supposed to make video games, play video games, and watch anime 24-7? <laughs> yeah, I only do two of those things and it's still really tough. This is what they don't tell you in video game school. So you oh, that, to do that all you can't play things. video games if you make video games because that's can't. right. That's the secret. That it's not like a cool secret, like a secret club thing. It's like the bad secret that once you've promised to make video games and you've signed the contract in blood, they're like, "Ha ha, no more playing games for you, scrub." I bought Bloodborne. I God, that was a mix-up. I bought Bloodborne for Halloween, and God knows I probably won't have any time to play it. Aww. But it's worth looking at for like five to ten minutes at least. Bloodborne is fantastic for like getting you into the game loop really quick. Yeah, no, I love it aesthetically. And then like the systems seem fascinating. I haven't played like a Souls game, but I've kind of watched stuff from them. So I'm like, I got to experience it myself and see just how it actually feels. My brother, who's superior to me in every way in terms of video game skills, got stuck pretty much immediately. So I think that I'm gonna gonna suffer. <laughs> How is your um, sense of direction? Oh, not great. Can you remember things like landmarks? In games, I'm bad. I got better at it in person when I went and lived in Europe because I didn't have like Google Maps, and it forced me to learn how to get everywhere on foot because I didn't have a car. You know you can buy paper maps, right? Well, yeah, I had a paper map. But then you you, you don't want to look like a tourist. So you just learn how to walk places. But it has not translated to video game sense of direction. I get lost in games all the time. I feel like in a lot of cases it's because the um, the landscape or whatever you want to call it in most video games is fairly repetitive and it doesn't have the same sense of like real world like landmarks where like every you know house is different or every building is different so it's not i i feel like it doesn't ping the same stuff in the same way right but i also get lost in zelda which has you know like like i, I can get lost in the village in ocarina of time so i don't know oh, i get lost in the village of ocarina of time all the time Okay. That is a confusing village. I think that's just legitimately <laughs> hard to find your way around. I mostly just get like stuck in the maze to get the sword. I'm just like, where where am I? Which way is facing? That one's definitely intended. It is a maze. Yeah. It still makes me feel bad. <laughs> I was thinking of Zelda too, but I was thinking that uh, the problem with a lot of games is that quick travel kills your need to learn how to be good at finding your way. Though counterpoint, like Morrowind, I found so difficult to play because of the lack of, of quick travel, fast travel mechanics. So like And the giant map. Yes, and the fact that quests were just like go left at the Red Hut and walk for a while and then somewhere <laughs> to your right ish will be That's the awful. thing that you want. 
I mean, it's immersive, but in the way that you feel like a really frustrated, annoyed person in the world. A lot of games uh, have options to turn off like the minimap or HUD in general, and I wonder how many people actually play with that on. I do, and the problem the problem I find, which is the reason why I think they include options to turn them off, is that a lot of the time I'm looking at the minimap instead of like the game area, which is maybe part of why I have trouble finding my way around in it. Because I'm looking at like a tiny map instead of where I'm actually going. Because the minimap in a lot of games is like, okay, I'm playing near. And if I was to if I was to turn off the minimap in near, I wouldn't know where any of my object- objectives were anymore. And it would be nigh impossible to play, I think, or extremely frustrating to wander around the world hoping to bump into what I was supposed to do. The ne- the newest near? Yeah. Near Automata. Automata. Yeah. Okay. Well, one, I'll finish my thought. The map in that game is garbage and doesn't help you find anything anywhere. Is it's, my it's intentionally bad, yes. It's intentionally bad. And so I, that was actually a game where I did learn how to get around the city without the map because the map never told me the damn thing. Point two, what's with the pronunciation thing? It's spelled like automata. So why would it be automata? Because it's Japanese. I think, okay, so I think, I think what it is, is it depends on... Whether you think it's based on the word automaton, which would make sense, or automatic, which makes less sense. And I'm thinking when I when I parse it, I'm like, oh, it's like automatic, so automata, as opposed to automaton, which would be automata, which makes more sense. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just the vowel sound restriction, so it's automata. Yeah. Automata. I guess so. I'm probably just wrong. I don't know. Well, I've heard people do both. But then you guys, I, I like, I trust. I feel like you guys are the experts on this. <laughs> Why? Also, Forza? What? For, Forza. Forza? For, 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 no, not Forza. Forza. Forza? It's, it's Forza. What's Forza? Oh, okay. the, it's a you racing mean the car game? game? Yeah. Yes. No. Oh. There's a lot of games that have local pronunciations. I'd play a Common Rider kart game, or or like Common Riders in real cars. Even that'd be rad. That'd be kind of, Wait, like, it should be a motorcycle racing game. What am I, I going to say? About? Like Mario Kart, like they're just in like these little go karts <laughs> with giant heads. I, maybe, maybe it should be like Road Rash. I don't know. Uh, or Crash Team Racing. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be pretty funny because everybody would have like streamlined motorcycles, and then Drive would have to like contend with having a giant vehicle. It would be. Maybe, 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 maybe the the concession would be that you could rent everybody off the road very easily because you're in a giant car. Comparatively, I don't know. Seems like balance would be a problem there. Going back to near, goes watch the game map. Jam. That's does, what we're going back to. <laughs> the map does reveal secret areas to you. Yeah, because it does show you anything walkable. Yeah, well, and I also installed the chip um, that highlights uh items which is semi-helpful because it shows me where boxes are and i want to find all the boxes but it's also not as helpful as you would hope in showing you how to get to those boxes the thing about the map is that it shows things and think uh, around you and i think it like a sort of spherical orientation like yes. in a sphere around you so like it's hard to figure out if you're above or below something sometimes. yes the z levels are what make the map so hard to read there is a character in the game who you can complain to about the map and they're just like, yeah, that's just how it is. Too bad. So I think <laughs> they know that they made a an intentionally like derpy map to fuck yeah. with you. 
No, I feel like it's bad enough that they must have done it on purpose. (laughs) Because I know they could have done better if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. No, well, and to Corey's point, the thing, I, I, I cannot comprehend actually like looking for secrets because i did not even have time to do the second ending let alone i know there's like at least three i think there's 26 there's three main endings right i i haven't i haven't finished it i'm just i'm on the second like the second portion of the game or whatever you want to call it the second story um but they're i mean they're they're lettered so I'm, i'm guessing there's probably 26 of them and there are what i would consider real endings of which I've seen, I think one, and then what I would call stupid endings where you like go the wrong way. And it's like, Oh, you decided not to help your fellow teammates and everybody died. Yeah. Or you eat a fish and your oil coagulates and it shows you the credit super fast and you get like a letter ending and then it plops you back where you were. And you're like, okay, very funny. Thank you. I do wish more games did that. Like one of my favorite, I don't know if trope or mechanic, like what to call it, but that thing the games can do where it's like, you can have a choice, especially one that it warns you about, and you can decide to do it anyway, and it just causes a game over. And yeah, yeah bonus points if it does like a quick run through of the credits, and then you're back again. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, near you can uninstall your CPU. Yeah, that's an ending. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> In Mass Effect, where you can um, sleep with, what's her face? Samara's daughter. And it's like, yeah, this will kill you, and you can be like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And it's like, game over. <laughs> we told you. <laughs> I wish more games did that. Death through sex. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, this is episode 39, Freaky Thursday. Uh, in episode 39 <laughs> of Common Rider Ghost, Snow White takes on some new foes while a dispute between a father and daughter reveal a sensitive subject from Makoto's past. We see a whole lot of fighting and a whole lot of running away. You, you going to play the theme song? Okay. We were watching a show made of reject Sony R&D. Special effects spreading across half a century. Magic ghost shirts, pokeballs, and fanny packs. And despite never leaving Coriander is back, the bestest host that watched Common Rider Ghost has more to say with this replay. Join Adam and Alexi in this meta fun, rehashing a show that still isn't done. Enjoy the unseen with Ghostwatch 2017. I remember that a Freaky Thursday is funny, but I don't remember <laughs> what it is. Wide loads here. Yeah, wide load. <laughs> Yay! Yay. A Freaky I love Thursday. Him. Okay. According to Ghostwatch 2016, is like a Freaky Friday, but involves three people instead of two. Ah, yes. And accordingly, that trend like it continues in that um, four people would be a Freaky Wednesday. And okay. and so there was the question of the wraparound, <laughs> and yes, I I do I I was like oh, I must make a graph and figure out like. Well, it's just the question is how do you deal with the turnaround? Is it like a Freaky Friday squared? Maybe it's a freaky Fortnite. There is a uh, body swapping <laughs> Japanese t- teen drama on Netflix called, I think, Switched something. And I think they achieve a freaky Wednesday. Okay. Hmm. I'm assuming that it moves back instead of forward because you need more time to deal with it. The more people that are involved, like you can do, do a freaky Friday in like a day, but a freaky Wednesday is going to take you a couple days at least. Right. Probably. You might end on a Friday at that yeah. stage. 
Yeah, I, I feel like actually it gets more complex and more of an exponential form than a linear. Mm. Like I think that this isn't actually the right trend. Though given that we only know of a Freaky Wednesday, I think it's premature to try and extrapolate out a formula. There was that episode of the Tick cartoon show where like 20 people got body swapped. And how many days did that take to fix? Just like one, like an afternoon. I think they did it in Futurama as well. And one of the Globetrotters solved it with a a drawing. Yeah. But it was like those relationship diagrams where you just kind of draw an arrow between everyone. (laughs) Oh man, I haven't thought of those or seen one in like years. Oh, I was picturing the the Japanese ones that look kind of like a coat hanger with like two names. Huh. There's like the fan thing where if you have some kind of group of people like the Avengers, you put all the names in like a mind map and then there are colored lines and dashed lines indicating all the major types of ways that people ship them and then people make their own of like no this is my relationship diagram of what ships are and are not acceptable yeah basically that (laughs) yeah okay we were thinking of the same thing which i haven't seen in years but maybe i'm just out of touch um speaking of video games it is funny because this episode opens with um sweat emperor sweat boy in a room with a bunch of cubes, like a cover shooter, <laughs> like Snow White comes oh. in and it's mm-hmm. just this room and between the throne and the entrance are just this smattering of waist high or higher cubes. And it was... Yeah. And you know there's going to be a fight. You know there's going to be a fight. <laughs> I can never tell if it's like poor level design or good level design. Right? Right, yeah. Because it, like, communicates very clearly what they're for. Yeah. And it lets you know that a thing is going to happen that you need to be prepared for. I think, hmm, I would say it's good level design, but it's not good realism. And it depends on whether you want your video game to be kind of realistic or if you want your video game to be, like, a fun cover-based shooter with lots of cover and and, and whatnot. Or, like, you want to pretend you're in the real world, which... Where there are fewer waist high things. Yeah, where there's less stuff to crouch behind when you're having a shootout. And if you're making a shootout video game and you don't put stuff to facilitate a shootout, I mean, maybe you're making some sort of meta commentary, but it doesn't sound like fun. The fun thing is that on a project, usually the person responsible for the like making it a good level from a shootery sense and making it a good level from a makes sense as a like world sense are two different people which on different teams <laughs> on different teams oh, yeah. i i have literally heard stories about um from the mass effect development times where the like combat focused level designers were dragging a bunch of uh garbage cans around the level to create cover and then getting <laughs> yelled at and then being like you will not give us any more cover objects so we will continue to use garbage cans until you <laughs> give us something else to use hmm. game development Fun. Uh, this is this is a dead mom episode. There's two dead oh, moms. Wow. It's weird. It's also so stuff gets real in that Makoto's backstory is revealed, which I don't think was really revealed before. And I guess it's not a shock, but there was the question of like, oh, he grew up with Takeru's family, and I guess I assumed his parents had just died or something. But no, his dad abandoned them as small children and their mom was presumably dead it was pretty heavy stuff mm. especially because then um 
oh god, what did you guys call her? I don't know. Mayu. Her complaint with her dad was that her dad wasn't there when their mom was dying. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty heavy for some kid's TV show. Because <laughs> you have that, and then you have the policeman crab running around. Officer crab falling down the stairs. Yeah. Shot of child Makoto and, and Cannon getting abandoned by their father. Oh, that crab, he's back again. Such a silly crab. He's got a magnet <laughs> hand, and he doesn't understand it. <laughs> right, he pulls that garbage can, doesn't he? He does. He activates his magnet powers without knowing it and smacks himself in the face with a garbage can. Oh, what fun we have. I do love Wide Load. There's like a crab slash skeleton themed villain in um, the last week's Sentai episode. And they did this really funny joke where uh, like there's two Sentai t- teams in this one. And one of them is... is are, are thieves they're like they're called lupin ranger and they they are very persona five and they like throw a card at the enemies and like tell them they're going to steal their treasure and so they threw the card at him and it like embedded in like the sort of his collar and because of the way the costume was built with its crab hands he couldn't actually reach it and they made <laughs> this like hilarious joke about how he was trying to like pull it off but he couldn't because his his crab hands wouldn't go that far and I was oh, like, no. I love, I love how you lampshaded your weird designs <laughs> and turned it into a joke. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would like to put out there because um, Wide Load is the name that I presume is settled on since it's the one that you've been mentioning for like the entirety of Ghostwell 2016 leading up to this beautiful yes. moment. But uh, Deadliest Catch was also proposed, and but no one made it Dadliest Catch joke which is because get it it's the dad from octodad from octodad yeah Yeah. so i i I would call him dadliest catch but wide load is also very good he's great i love him if the gun misers were like this i would be much happier that's why i forgot he was a gun miser because he's great yeah it's funny i felt like this was a kind of neutral episode but then going through my notes there's i'm just jumping around because there was a lot of cool stuff uh snow white gets to be I don't know if it's right to say a common rider. I mean, she gets to do a kick, so. She transforms into a Necrom. I, I mean, it counts. Like, yeah, it's probably probably counts as in an like asterisk kind of way, but it still counts. Yeah, that was cool. And it's cool to see. And she's badass. Yeah. She was badass. She had a heart symbol on her, like where the eye face goes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I remember that. There was also a great moment where Sweat Emperor Boy, when he uh, expels or extrudes or, you know, just generally yeets all of the rainbow of boys, he does this yeah. kind of like rainbow shifting <laughs> effect. And I was just thinking, this is what Sauron of many colors should have actually looked like in the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> like 15 latex boys. Uh-huh. There was the best shot well maybe not the best because there was that one of onari and akari in the corridor but i sent you guys an email of a screenshot that i took of an amazing shot in this episode which is that when dad who's been freaky thursday so actually mayu (laughs) is in the car they cut to like a shot from inside the car with literally the (laughs) entire cast of (laughs) common rider ghost looking through the window it's even like 
Onari is barely visible in the top left corner. You can just see like his eye. Oh yeah, there he is. Wow. But it's everybody. Oh. The whole gang is there. Good job, Snapple. Yeah. You're gonna solve the case. <laughs> Great use of resources and time. There was also an interesting thing in that so everybody's down at the shrine. And then the Shrine Boys come in to report that people are having an argument. And they specifically come to get Onari and ask him to deal with it. And then everyone kind of follows and Takaru butts in and actually deals with it. And it's the fuzz. But I hadn't really thought of the fact, like, is that part of Onari's job is to go out and settle, like, people in the graveyard having arguments? Does that come up often? I guess because there's a cemetery, part of Onari's job is to be kind of the crypt keeper or whatever you call the person who looks after the graveyard. Like, of... Because arguably it's it's Tucker's house. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that Onari's, like, the one who maintains it as, like, a shrine and everything. Like, Tucker doesn't really seem to be into the... Uh, mystical religious aspect of of his house. He just sort of lives there. Also, he's been dead for like a year. Like based on the first episode, he would, yeah, he would just be like hanging around and sleeping, going to school or whatever, and just gives him an excuse to wear some funky clothes. Is it a house or is it a shrine? I mean, it's a shrine house. A shrouse. People live in the shrine. Yeah, Johann Shrouse. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to get it over to classical music now? Yeah. Always. <laughs> no, he can go back. Well, because then I guess it's a bit hard to tell because sometimes the camera, as we know, just jumps around places. But I got the feeling that Takeru's dad's gravestone was like right by, if not in the same kind of plot of land as the house slash shrine. And then there are like other graves around it, which is what made me think there was a whole graveyard there. Yeah, that seems accurate. I'm thinking of it as kind of like like a funeral home with a graveyard attached sort of thing. That's also someone's family home? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of funeral homes were actual houses for like the people actually live there too, right? I guess that's true. And I guess it, it seems like Takeru's dad was actually a monk kind of guy. Yeah. Well, and I mean, based on what I've seen in, in anime and whatnot, it, it seems normal for uh, people who like maintain a shrine or whatever to live there, like like Ray and Sailor Moon, for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like clearly live work areas in this building. Right. Mm-hmm. So Taco's just like uh, he, he's a shrine boy as well. He's just a very lackadaisical one. <laughs> he's just and, haunted oh, no. in a graveyard. Well. And Onari seems happy to, like, do all the work, so really. Yeah. Doesn't explain Akari or where she lives or comes from, but there you go. <laughs> Though, hey, we did get Makoto explained. Not that it needed that much extra explaining. And he'd just been gone to gone my hell for most of time in Takeru's life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Billy the Kid also takes over canon, and it's awesome. Ugh. <laughs> Except that the first thing I thought when Cannon gets taken over and now is in a cowboy kind of outfit is I was like, oh, uh, Makoto will be happy. <laughs> that's his weird fantasy. 
And his weird fantasy is having 12 sisters. In different costumes. In different costumes, though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Cowboy Cannon is probably in there. Yeah. <laughs> was he there when that happened in that scene? He is. He's in the back. And I was. he looks vaguely happy, but I was expecting them to possibly make a bigger deal out of it. But maybe even they were like, no, wait, that was weird. Let's not go back to that well. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised he wasn't taking pictures. Yeah. Maybe it was one of the evil clones. Maybe that's how you could tell. <laughs> uh. That he wasn't into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, also, apparently, according to this, Billy the Kid was all about honorable sacrifice. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When I think of Billy the Kid and his defining morals, because morals are also the first thing I think about when I think of Billy the Kid, I think about mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. he cared about mm-hmm. sacrificing his own life for others. Oh, yeah. Because they had the little pop-up of the little bit more history on Billy the Kid, which is that he was killed by his former friend uh, and a sheriff, Pat Garrett. And I was like, okay, where are you going to go with this information? Oh, nowhere? Or or almost the opposite, which is that like he was killed by his friend. And yeah, he's all about sacrificing himself for friendship. Like, cool. Did, did you not see Young Guns? Yeah. Or Young Guns too? No, I don't know what those are. I assume they're about Billy the Kid. <laughs> they're, they're One about... of the characters is Billy the Kid. Yes, played by Emilio Estevez. Who is not Michael J. Fox, no matter how much you may want it. I don't want it's it. It's also got a young Kiefer Sutherland. Yes. Well, it's got young everybody. That's, That's why it's how called Young Guns. guns. <laughs> <laughs> it's not old guns, Corey. <laughs> Dang it. Although it was a long time ago and people do like sequels. So make Young Guns 3? No, Old Guns. You call it oh. Old Guns. Except the but problem is that I think the problem is that I think all those characters died before they got old. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not gonna work very well. But but what my but what my screenplay place presupposes is maybe they didn't. What if? That's just a little real tandem bombs reference for everybody to enjoy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of slaps. Gotta mention that too. Right, because Snow White slaps him. That's right. It's just gonna be a trend now. I couldn't decide how he felt. I, I think he gets more worked up about Akari slapping him. So I think it's not just a general thing. I think it is an Akari thing. I remember having like an opinion about this, and I don't remember what it is anymore because I'm real tired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that the slapping thing is dumb, and that, no, uh, that Killer Mad Scientist and Akari totally don't have any no. sort of connection. Don't think so. I think it was that m- maybe he was extra upset because somebody slapped him who wasn't Akari, and it wasn't what he. It's not what he likes. Right. <laughs> Probably something like that. Though he is in denial, because later on Akari shows up and just raises her hand threateningly, and he freaks out. That's what it. That's what it was. I was like, I think he's freaking out because of like, shit. Does she know that somebody else slapped me? Oh god. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> She's gonna be so mad. This is supposed to be just us. She might not slap me. I'm impure. <laughs> I'm unclean. Et cetera. Et cetera. This show and the lens of viewing it that comes from Ghostwatch is just its a weird experience. There's so many steps away that I can't even try and figure out. It's like when they were making the show and they were making 
this KMS character where they where they like yeah his defining thing will be that he's into slaps like <laughs> <laughs> I mean presumably you gotta think it was made by adults <laughs> but I do enjoy it I mean I think you guys were saying it seemed like there was a guest director or something which yeah like the camera work was quite different and better mostly. There was this one camera shot when they're fighting the the um, Captain Crab, Officer Crab, Wide Load. It's actually the fight where he accidentally uses his magnet powers. But there's like this mouse, like rat view camera, which is that the camera's just like really low to the ground and scurrying and goes like underneath some tables and chairs and then like pans up to see the crab. And it's doing a little bit of that like jittery thing that they do for comedic effect. But it was such a weird shot because I was like, how did they even get this? Because it goes down on the ground, but then under several pieces of furniture. And it was just for no reason. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's in general like a lot of experimentation in this show. Yeah. I mean, it helps mix it up a bit. So there is that. Anything else? Gramps says costume selection is my life. <laughs> accurate yeah and then all right that's he was it. wearing pieces of like every possible every single costume, jacket yeah yeah and, and urizen asks him you're capable of cosplay <laughs> which have you been paying attention to gramps maybe maybe he was just throwing mad shade he's he's like mad mm, shade. Your, your other outfits for garbage you count those as costumes? What? You decided to wear those outdoors in public? <laughs> oh, man. So yesterday I was dressed as the demigod of glow bowling for Halloween. And I stopped in a grocery store to pick up some candy. And someone said, nice outfit. And I said, oh, thank you. And then they said, is that just your everyday look? <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> could it be? We were on our way to a party last night. And a man stopped us outside of a Save on Foods. And... Our first impression was, oh, this must be a fan. Get prepared to have a fan interaction. And then he was just like, nice jacket. And then I look over at Ian, who's wearing a David S. Pumpkins jacket? We both forgot about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was also at a Save on Foods. Maybe this is just a Save on Foods thing. <laughs> they have opinions about clothing at Save on Foods. Save on Foods. Get questioned for your fashion choices. But in a nice way. Maybe. Maybe. It's not that I wouldn't want to dress like global in multiple days of the week. I just don't think I could pull that look off every day. I don't know where this show is going or how it's going to end. There's still like so many more episodes and so little plot. It's a mystery. <laughs> Well, there's going to be more nudity than you expect. <laughs> From that who? That is unfortunately true. <laughs> I mean, you got you to gotta be surprised by something, right? Yeah. <laughs> something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I got that Onari midriff that one time. That was cool. Is it going to be like and that? And the tight pants? Yeah, the tight and pants. And the lipstick? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this show's mm -hmm. given me a lot. I'm thankful for that. I feel like at this point, if Onari just took took his shirt off, you would pass out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, is anyone else watching The Good Place? Yeah, I love yes. The Good Place. 
Oh, I can see why you yeah, brought so that up. Yeah. Exactly. You want Onardi to pull a, a breakdown cheating. <laughs> right. It would be, because I think it's what I talked about when I oh, talked yeah. about the midriff, which is that Onari has this thing, the same as Sherlock Holmes played by Jeremy Brett, which is that because he's normally like completely covered in monkish, any deviation from that is scandalous, even if it is, you know, objectively less scandalous. Which is kind of similar with Chidi, isn't it? Just you wouldn't expect that. For sure. There's that, like, I mean, that's because the character is very reserved, but also because, like, he's really um, very, like, muscular yeah. when he takes off his shirt, which is not necessarily that expected. And it was like, oh my, look at that. I, I expect Onari to be just scrawny. Oh, sh- yeah, scrawny as hell. Like, maybe wiry at best. Yeah, he seemed, when he was wearing his, like, tight-fitting punk clothing... I think that seems accurate. Low body fat, but not muscle. Even though he spends a lot of time kind of going around swinging his ghost yeah. hitting stick. <laughs> yeah, like maybe maybe more like a Bruce Lee body. I, I don't suppose that that will be what, what we will get in the next few episodes, huh? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, you guys. You guys. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's what you meant, because it was more of a like, haha, wait till you see this nudity, instead of like, oh ho, wait till you see this nudity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was more of a you'll never expect nudity. <laughs> oh, You're I stopped butt, expecting okay? long ago. There'll be a butt. <laughs> There's gonna be a butt. Oh my God. <laughs> That is surprising, even though we have had discussions plenty of times about butts due to yep. all of the tight leather pants and certain people having costumes that basically just like form a star around their butt. They do want us to look at butts, but I thought that we would only ever see them in a leather clad fashion. Oh, well, something to look forward Thank to. Thank you all for listening. This has been Ghostwatch 2017. I'm Coriander Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Absalar. I'm Adam Wasserman. You can find me on Twitter at Gold Sarcasmium. And I'm Alexi Peppers, and you can find me on Twitter at AM Peppers. Have a good day. Stay Keep ghosty. watching the ghosts. <laughs> the ghosts? Bye. <laughs> <laughs>